focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, joining us in the studio, we have our usual Thursday reporters in Yoon Se-young and Lee Ji-young. Guys, welcome back. Good, Good evening. evening. Guys, we're going to start things off on uh, domestic politics here. Uh, today, the South Korean prosecutors requested an arrest warrant for the main opposition Democratic Party chief Lee Jae-myung. This over allegations of uh, corruption while he was in office as the Sungnam mayor. Uh, which is set to shake an already bitter partisan political divide. A lot of people are saying this is a political retaliation. Uh, others are saying they're only, uh, of course, prosecuting or trying to arrest him for all the wrongdoings that he's done. Rightfully, rightful, I guess, arrest is what they're saying. Nevertheless, Chiang, start us off. What is this all about? Uh, sure. Now, the Seoul Central District Prosecutor's Office said on Thursday in a text message to reporters that they've requested the court for an arrest warrant for Lee Jae-myung. Now, it is extremely rare for prosecutors to request for an arrest warrant for the head of the largest opposition party. In fact, it's actually the first time ever in South Korean history. Now, prosecutors believe that Lee provided uh, developers with municipal urban development projects and also some confidence information during his tenure as Hongnam mayor. Now, Lee has been charged with a breach of trust for allegedly causing about 490 billion won in damages by allowing a real estate developer to illegally profit from an urban development project. Uh, he also faces a suspicions of leaking inside secrets of city government or this city's uh, development corporation to the private uh, partners by a close aid so that the partners reaped a total of 788.6 billion won of profits from the project to build apartment complex in this district. Now, Lee has been questioned three times in the past uh, month, past month, about the case and another alleged bribery scheme involving Songnam FC, um, which is the uh, football club of uh, that's... Um, uh, under the Songnam city. Now, Lee and the Democratic Party have insisted on the former Songnam mayor's innocence, uh, denouncing the prosecution's action as outrageous, arguing that it is a politically motivated investigation by the presidential office. Now, even if the prosecution succeeds in obtaining the arrest warrant, uh, the leader of the opposition party can't be detained uh, since the prosecutors need the consent of the parliament uh, to arrest a lawmaker while it is in session. Now, this is highly unlikely to happen since the Democratic Party has the majority seats in the parliamentary. Right, exactly. And so this is, gets uh, quite interesting here because now they're going to go, well, we have next year's general elections, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and uh, the ruling PPP is trying to obviously take over the nat uh, National Assembly as well. Uh, on the flip side here, the Democratic Party trying to continue to gain the upper edge in the National Assembly. There's talks about whether or not having uh, Lee Jae-myung as the DP chief, if that's going to ultimately negatively affect mm -hmm. uh, the Democratic Party and then end up losing out on the general election. So now the DP has to decide whether or not they're going to continue to, uh, you know, take on the side of uh, Lee Jae-myung because there's been, again, a lot. The allegation has been going on for quite a bit. And what's also very surprising for all of us is that we thought that maybe uh, the Yoon Suk campaign during the, uh, the campaign 
campaign, the presidential campaign. They were just using this to, of course, win the presidential election. And once he wins the presidential election, that's done deal. And they weren't going to go into it ever. But I think uh, the uh, consensus right now is that there is uh, Lee Jae-myung is probably going to try to uh, run for the next presidential election. Uh, they might consider him as a big threat. And so they continue to push forward on this. But again, the Democratic Party harshly criticizing this arrest warring request for party leader Lee Jae-myung, uh, basically calling it unheard of violence to remove a political enemy of President Yoon Suk-yeol. Now, again, political retaliation was the terminology that was being used uh, often here. Seung, let's get more on this. Right. Uh, the main opposition Democratic party on Thursday strongly condemned the prosecution's decision, saying that this unheard of violence is to suppress the opposition party and eliminate a political enemy of the present Yoon song yeol as we all know, President Yoon song yeol of the Conservative People Party was elected Korea's new president last year uh, in May, beating his liberal rival Lee Jae-myung by just 0.73 percentage points of the vote. And the results reflect how competitive the election was. And for that reason, then-presidential candidate, now DP leader Lee Jae-myung, has been considered a powerful presidential candidate for next presidential election, which could be a, like, you said, a threat to the Conservative Party. And based on this background, the Democratic Party continued to argue that Thursday's decision was not an investigation to find the truth, but a crackdown aimed at removing an influential liberal political figure. And An Young, a senior spokesman for the Democratic Party of Korea in a briefing at the National Assembly today, expressed his outrage at the atrocity done by prosecution of President Yoon song yeol that was not even seen according to DP, during the military regime. And chief spokesman of DP also argued that the arrest warrant request do not meet a single requirement because there is no evidence proving the allegations are true. He also emphasized the fact that DP leader Lee Jae-myung is not only feared to flee or destroy evidence, and he also has been complied with some summons for questioning uh, for three times. And some pundits also say a huge political figure like Lee Jae-myung there is little chance that he is going to flee. And since he recently has underwent three rounds of questioning by prosecutors, which include 12 hours of questioning regarding to the bribery allegations, um, prosecution's Thursday decision is pretty surprising. And DP also expressed the party's determined will to begin a war with the Yoon song yeol prosecution by uniting and fight with the people for truth and justice. Yeah, so I mean, the right now, those that are kind of in support. If you've seen, uh, like, for example, when the Lee Jae-myung went out for a question, there was a, uh, a press conference that took place, I believe it was like last week or something like that, and there was like two sides of uh, supporters. There's mm. uh, the, the supporters of the UN administration who are basically, you know, screaming out things like, you know, send them to jail and things like that, send them to prison. And then you had the uh, the supporters of uh, Lee Jae-myung who are going like, this is a sham. Uh, you know, this is a... And I mean, th the reason why there is a lot of criticism, of course, from the supporters of, uh, uh, you know, Lee Jae-myung is that, again, because of uh, President Yoon Suk-yeol and his background as uh, the former Secretary General, mm. uh, you know, Prosecutor General, right? And so they're saying that, well, a lot of his uh, people are prosecutors right. and so they're siding with the president and the, uh, the ruling PPP but that's also a very dangerous allegation mm -hmm. to say at this time uh, so 
basing on the facts, but the truth is, the truth of the matter right now, it does seem like, I mean, Lee Jae-myung is definitely not a threat uh, to flee. He has, like you said, uh, saying that uh, he has gone through a number of different rounds right. of questioning here. Uh, but uh, Lee Jae-myung also himself expressing his stance for the prosecution that sought the arrest for, warrant for him. Uh, Seung, what do you say? Um, in response, E, of course, heavily criticized the prosecution's decision, saying today is the day when Prosecutor Yoon song yeols dictatorship declared privatization of prosecution rights and the rule of law collapsed due to the uh, desire to remove political rival. And the remark came at an emergency meeting held at National Assembly Thursday afternoon. He added that with the largest investigation ever, more than 100 raids and hundreds of people involved, it makes no sense um, when the prosecution insists that there is still evidence to destroy. And he warned that it would be, a ju- it would be judged by the people and history. The ball, of course, now on the National Assembly's court uh, to approve Lee Jae-myung's motion uh, for the arrest warrant there. Uh, again, we did mention that it is highly unlikely uh, with the National Assembly dominated by the current uh, main opposition Democratic Party. But uh, what's the ruling People Power Party going to do to get uh, any chance of uh, getting the motion approved here, Jiang? Yeah. Now, as you mentioned, the only thing that they can do is to win over a number of Democratic Party uh, lawmakers and sway the votes. But uh, so that's why uh People Power Party lawmakers have urged law, uh, the parliamentary members um, of all parties to consciously cast their votes when the prosecutor sends its motion to arrest the main opposition leader. Now, People Power Party leader Chung Jin Sok called on his fellow assembly members to ensure that they do not go down in history as culprits who betrayed their conscience. Uh, PPP spokesperson Yang Gumi also also said in a column that Lee Jae-myung brought this upon himself and it's the right thing to arrest someone if they refuse to testify, silence the people involved and attempt to destroy evidence. Now also PPP floor spokesperson Kim Mie chimed in and said that the National Assembly should no longer be a refuge or hideout for criminals and hopes that members of the National Assembly do not make the mistake of advocating corruption again. So uh, they're just pretty much urging all of the uh, Democratic Party members or independent lawmakers to uh, just accept this motion. So now we have the prosecution's request for this uh, arrest warrant for DP leader Lee Jae-myung. And this kind of means that Again, it's going to require the parliamentary mm-hmm. consent of whether mm-hmm. or not they're going to actually uh, go ahead and arrest a sitting lawmaker, not to mention the leader of a, uh, a main opposition Democratic Party here while the assembly is in session. Let's talk about like what the pundits are predicting uh, is the possibility that there actually is going to be some sort of approval to arrest Lee Jae-myung, because again, it does seem like very slim chance that it's going to happen. So you have more on this. Right. Um, like Tiong briefly explained in the beginning, um, under the Constitution, sitting lawmakers have the privilege of not being arrested or detained without the cons- consent of the National Assembly during the session unless they are caught in the act. And South Korean National Assembly has begun as February extraordinary session on February 2nd, and now it is necessary for the prosecution to obtain the National 
Special Assembly's consent to arrest Yi for questioning during the session. And the Seoul uh, Central District Court will require the prosecution to win the parliamentary agreement for Yi's arrest. And afterwards, the Ministry of Justice will take over the request from the Supreme Prosecutor's Office and submit the request for consent to the National Assembly after getting approval from the president. And the request should be reported by the National Assembly Speaker during the first plenary meeting, and the National Assembly needs to put it to a vote within 72 hours after after a day. And for now, the request for parliamentary consent is expected to be reported to the National Assembly on the 24th of this month, and the National Assembly's voting will take place around uh, the 26th of this month. And according to the result of the vote, the National Assembly submits an official notice to the Ministry of Justice, and this is delivered to the court through the Supreme Prosecutor's Office and the Prosecutor's Office that is in charge of this case. If approved, the date for court's warrant review will be set, and if rejected, the warrant will be dismissed without questioning. And the entire process is quite complicated, and so far only 16 cases out of 61 arrest requests for sitting lawmakers have been approved. And this is the first time in South Korea's constitutional history uh, that the prosecution has made a request against uh, the head of main opposition party. Uh, the National Assembly will also feel pressured to make a decision, but the pundits predict that since DP has a majority of the seats, it is highly unlikely that the arrest warrant for E will be passed. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, th- this itself is going to be symbolic in many ways. And I think uh, I keep mentioning next year's general elections. I mean, you guys have, for our listeners out there, the 2024 general election is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. It's going to be mm-hmm. monstrous, right? And so you already know what the two main parties are going to use against the other parties right now. Uh, it's highly likely that the ruling People Power Party is going to continue push forward the fact that the DP was protecting uh, Lee Jae-myung despite the allegations there. And if you remember, one of the main reasons for why Lee Jae-myung probably lost out on the presidential election is because of the Taejong-dong right. scandal, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's a lot of people who are kind of going, well, I would have probably picked Lee Jae-myung if it not for the scandal there. That mm-hmm. the scandal kind of got me and so I, I wasn't... There was a lot of people that did that. And if you, the, the presidential election, like you said, zero point, was it 0.73% points in difference there. That was the huge difference. And so now uh, the, DP, uh, the PPP is probably going to go, look, they're still protecting uh, Lee Jae-myung and they're probably going to use that to, of course, garner a lot of the votes and try to take back the National Assembly where, as you know, the the Democratic Party is probably going to then use the the Lee Sang-min card here Mm -hmm. and go, listen, I mean, you know, the PPP, they're protecting someone who is probably responsible for the Itaewon tragedy. And Mm -hmm. so it is going to be a huge, huge political ruckus uh, between the two. And so, again, I mean, we still have more than a year until the General Assembly. And so you know that this political rift is going to continue on. And... uh, We'll we'll continue to keep a close uh, tab on this because it is going to get very interesting here. Let's move on. Um, We did uh, uh, kind of briefly talk about this uh, yesterday, but on Wednesday, South Korea's three major mobile carriers unveiling that plan to give customers uh, who are not registered for unlimited packages the uh, the 30 gigabytes of free data. I think uh, LG U Plus has a sort of a different thing where they match the amount of uh, Mm -hmm. uh, gigabytes that you have. 
seems as though presidential office does not think that the 30 gigabytes is enough to ease the burden of the telecommunication costs. Chiang, can you tell us more about this? Uh, yes. Now, after the three mobile carriers uh, announced their plan, uh, the presidential uh, office expressed that an additional 30 gigabytes of data for one month just isn't enough. Uh, an official from the presidential office uh, said in a phone call with Yonhap News that an extra 30 gigabytes won't be much of help to people who are actually struggling to pay bills uh, and also that people might also take this as an insult. Um, the government official also said that people are actually being overcharged by telecommunication companies and that what they really need is actually a price cut instead of an extra 30 gigabytes. Um, now, President Yoon has a strong perception that the three telecommunications companies are not fulfilling their social role and only reaping the benefits of oligopoly. Now, these three companies are sharing such a big pie in the market. So uh, it's easy for them to kind of gang up together and then hike up the prices. Now, another official from the presidential office said that instead of giving out an extra 30 gigabytes of free data, um, companies should offer cheaper plans with even more data that they already have. In other words, give people a discount instead of throwing them a bone to chew on. Now, meanwhile, the Ministry of Science and ICT said that they are considering ways to lower entry barriers for new operators to enter the market so that consumer can have more competitive options. Now, SJ, we talked about this yesterday briefly about how this 30 gigabytes would, may or may not help each other. And I kind of said that for me, who use unlimited plans, it really doesn't help my budget. No. And it really doesn't ease any of my financial burdens that I'm going through these days. So, yeah, I'm glad that the presidential office has um, uh, mentioned this and expressed their dissatisfaction. Yeah, and I think the uh, the 30 gigabytes that they're giving out for free was for like one month, wasn't one it? It wasn't month. just for like March. Mm -hmm. And so it's like for the month of March, <laughs> exactly. hey, enjoy uh, maybe 10 more episodes of... Uh, or 30 more episodes of, you know, Not in Solo mm -hmm. or something like that on Netflix. <laughs> I don't know. But again, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And because a lot of us were going like, what what, what are we going to do with the 30 gigabytes for one month? Well, yeah, I guess we'll exactly. watch more stuff for one month. But after, because, I mean, a lot of people will agree. I think the, the, the cell phone bills are getting just way too expensive uh, right. these days. And so hopefully uh, there is some uh, discounts on that front. Mm -hmm. uh, in the meantime, Finance Minister Chu Gyeong-ho on Thursday expressed his willingness to advance the timing of improving trade balance. Uh, through uh, enhancing the country's uh, fundamental export structure and energy-saving movements is what he said. Uh, Seung, tell us more about this. Well, Finance Minister Chu Kyung-ho held an emergency meeting at Seoul Government Complex on Thursday to discuss ways to ease Korea's trade deficit. And as we talked about it several times before on the show, the nation's export market is not doing well right now. Its trade deficit recorded 47.5 billion U.S. dollars last year, the worst figure since 1956 when related data were first compiled. And exports in January also fell 46.3 billion U.S. dollars, or 16 
10.6%, so it continues to fall. Addressing the nation's economy that has been sluggish in exports and trade, Chu said the recent trade deficit is mostly due to three major factors. High energy cost, a slowdown in demand for semiconductors in China. And regarding China, he said, we have to wait more to witness the impact of China's reopening on global economy. He then said, although major institutions are predicting a rebound in exports, um, including semiconductors in the future, efforts from the entire nation are required to advance the timing of improving the trade balance. Chu said uh, he stressed that um, to overcome the situation, the government will focus on diversifying the market and strengthening other export products to avoid depending on one particular sector. And the reason he mentioned this is because South Korea is heavily reliant on semiconductor exports and especially um, especially to Chinese markets. So it's necessary to broaden uh, the export market and products as well. And with government's efforts, he also urged citizens to join in a collective effort by saving energy, as the government believes expensive energy is one of the major reasons that causes trade deficit. And South Korea indeed imports nearly 93% of its energy and natural resources consumption from different countries. But some criticize that as government's role and responsibility to deal with the structural problems and prepare policies accordingly. And some also say the remark was inappropriate, especially uh, when many people are struggling with energy bills amid freezing weather. It's interesting with the uh, the export uh, what is it uh, the export trade balance uh, deficit that we're seeing. Uh, majority of that is because of the slowdown in demand for semiconductors mm. in China. Yet, mm-hmm. uh, of course, we saw like the United States pushing for right. uh, countries like South Korea to start uh, banning exports of semiconductors. And we were saying, I mean, if, if a large chunk of that is going to China, I mean, we, can we really afford to do so? Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, uh, this statement by uh, Finance Minister Chu Gyeong-ho to say that, you know, to diversify, well, I mean, which is right to diversify right. the export portfolio for obvious reasons out there, but it also kind of makes it sound like, well, we're going to try to rely less on uh, China. Can we really afford to rely less on China? And China might take this message as a different way, going, all right, it mm-hmm. seems like uh, you're leaning towards the United States. And maybe eventually announce the plans to, you know, ban exports of semiconductor goods to our country, and it's done and over with with ourselves. Can we really afford to do that? Is the big question. Uh, Chu also announcing his plans to create a regional innovation ecosystem by fostering local SMEs. What's this about, Seung? Right. He mentioned the problem of rural communities that are in danger of being disappeared. He said, as the population continues to decline amid shrinking business activities and job losses in the non-metropolitan area. Areas, it's urgent to create a corporate-centered regional innovation ecosystem using local technologies and resources. And the finance minister pledged that the government will reorganize the regional major industries, currently being fostered in 14 cities and provinces, focusing on, natural, on national strategic technology and fostering local SMEs. In the meantime, South Korea's Vice Minister of Trade and Industry has gone to the United States to meet his counterparts uh, to discuss a wide range of issues that, uh, of course, requires close cooperation between the allies. Chiang, let's get the details of this. Sure. Now, South Korea's first... 
Industry Vice Minister Chang Yongjin arrived in the States on Wednesday and said that the topics of discussion with the U.S. counterparts will include the Inflation Reduction Act, um, as well as U.S. import quota on South Korean steel products. Now, Chang's trip to the U.S. follows a series of high-level discussions between the allies over Seoul's concerns related to the IRA, which will provide government tax uh, cuts of of up to uh, $7,500 U.S. dollars who purchase uh, new electric vehicles. Now, the tax incentives, however, are only offering to the vehicles assembled in North America and those built with batteries that use a certain amount of minerals produced in this region, potentially putting foreign-made electric vehicles, including those from South Korea, at a significant disadvantage in what many describe as a violation of the world Trade Organization regulations on a national treatment. Now, the U.S. government uh, recently announced implementation guidelines of the IRA that entitled foreign-made electric cars to also tax benefit uh, to tax benefits when they are sold for commercial use. So, the Korean vice industry minister believes that the new guidelines somewhat reflect South Korea's uh, automakers, but that's not 100 percent. Sure, so far that we know of. Now, the U.S. uh, Treasury Department is also scheduled to announce provisional regulations uh, to key minerals and also battery components next month. And the Korean government is persuading the U.S. to include South Korea as one of the countries to provide the U.S. these key battery components. Um, Now, the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy of South Korea earlier said Chang will also meet with senior officials from the U.S. Commerce Department and also the White House during his three-day stay. You know, one of the surprising, uh, it's it's kind of related, I guess, uh, to EVs, but uh, sales of Hyundai and Kia EVs, uh, Hyundai EVs in the United States since uh, 2000, uh, I want to say 2000 something, 2008, was it? When, when did they first start selling it? Anyways, they've only sell, sold a total of 100,000 units of electric vehicles from Hyundai so far. That was shocking to me because I thought a lot of people were purchasing it. And obviously last year, ever since the IRA uh, was put into effect, that they did see a huge uh, dip in sales of Hyundai and Kia EVs. And so, I mean, there's a continual push to somehow get an exemption for the next, like at least a grace period for three years but so far the u.s has kind of said oh, we'll continue to discuss it but there's never any other updates aside from that and it's quite frustrating here despite the fact that the u.s continues to demand more stuff from south korea mm-hmm. let's move on here uh talk about the ongoing push to help uh the two countries that uh, have been impacted heavily by the uh, the massive earthquakes in turkey and syria This time, the South Korean government previously announced that it was planned to send a second disaster relief team to Turkey on Thursday. The second team is set to leave for the uh, quake-stricken country tonight. Sam, let's get the latest. Right. um, Just like we talked about it yesterday, the second team comprises 21 members. Uh, They will leave for Turkey tonight at 11 p.m. Korea time. The team will include 10 medical workers, five officials from the Korea International Cooperation Agency, and two foreign ministry officials. 
and private organizations that include the International Council for Development and Cooperation, Good Neighbors, and the Korea Food for the Hungry International and World Vision will also participate. Unlike the first relief team, which consisted of 49 defense personnel and 62 uh, fire department personnel, the second team focuses on medical workers and the involvement of private sector. And the government explains that the main task is not to conduct medical activities directly there, but to identify future demand and focus on uh, recovery and reconstruction. And this is because, according to experts, healthcare accounts for a large proportion uh, when it comes to recovery and reconstruction of a community. And the second group of relief team, which will depart at Turkey for Turkey tonight, will operate for about seven days, and the duration of the activity may be extended depending on the local situation. And they will also deliver 55 tons of relief goods, including tents and blankets, to the Turkey Disaster Management Agency. And the Minister of Foreign Affairs says it plans to actively cooperate with related ministries and the private sectors so that the support requested by Turkey can be provided in a timely manner. Yeah, right now, um, Chiyoung is going to talk about this a little bit more, but uh, it does seem like there is no surprise that tents and blankets mm-hmm. are the ones that they're requesting most right now because it did, It seemed like a lot of them received it, but there's also a lot of people who actually hasn't re- even received the tents. Right. And so they're trying to make their own kind of makeshift, uh, uh, I guess, beds and, uh, you know, residence areas, uh, houses of their own that they're trying to make here. And uh, it's tough to see, uh, to watch, to be honest with you, because it is very, very cold. The weather really hasn't been helping out uh, even the survivors there. But again, as the search and rescue team still uncovering survivors of a deadly earthquake last week, uh, we have been seeing more miracles of people coming out from rubble uh, even after t- two over 200 hours since right. uh, the earthquake mm-hmm. here. Chiang, let's get the latest in Turkey and Syria. Sure. Now, the combined death uh, toll in Turkey and Syria from last week's powerful earthquake has now risen above 41,000, uh, but a handful of people are still being rescued from the rubble. Now, millions of people who survived the earthquake uh, actually need humanitarian aid, and authorities say that with many survivors left left homeless in near-freezing winter temperatures, rescues are now few and far between, unfortunately. Now, the Turkish government said it would demolish severely damaged buildings and begin the massive tax of reconstruction. Now, over 50,000 buildings have either collapsed or sustained heavy damage during the earthquakes. And in Haiti um, province, the Haiti uh, province, uh, half the buildings collapsed or were so badly damaged that uh, they need to be torn, most of them need to, half of them need to be torn down. Meanwhile, uh, humanitarian organizations are trying to scale up operation in Syria to meet the massive needs uh, because it's a different story in in Syria. The United Nations estimates that 2.5 million Syrian children have been affected by the earthquakes and are desperate in desperate need of basics, uh, including clean drinking water and shelter. Now, we also have to remember that Syria has been in a civil war for 10 years and the health system is amazingly fragile. So a lot of the uh, support that South Korean governments and South Korean 
private organizations are giving to is exactly is actually towards Turkey. So if we can actually uh, lend a hand to Syria at a time like this, it would be uh, a really uh, great moment. Yeah, and it is. It is really difficult at this time uh, for a number of reasons. To, uh, in why it's so difficult to send in aid into Syria, mm-hmm. and um, from what I the reports that I read recently was that. Uh, the total number of people who have been displaced, right? Mm-hmm. So they've so far calculated that in Turkey, it's about a million. That's mm-hmm. a lot, right? Now, if you go into Syria, they're saying about 5.8 million people have been displaced in just the northwest Syria alone, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot of people uh, right. that uh, are displaced by this. But the fact of the matter is, because of the, the political situation there, uh, it is very hard to get, send in the aid uh, into Syria. Also, I mean, we talked about like the, the diplomatic odds that uh, some mm-hmm. of the countries are at with Syria, uh, which is why I believe... Um, I want to say the UK. I think it might have been the UK. UK might be kind of uh, overlooking these sanctions and still kind of lift some of the sanctions and so, mm-hmm. so that they could uh, send in aid into Syria. And so hopefully uh, these are some of the things that, that we're looking at right now because as it's great as it is to see Turkey getting a whole lot of assistance from the international community, you're not seeing a whole lot of that uh, for Syria. But mm-hmm. Again, there are uh, you know obvious reasons for why that's happening, uh, but many countries, um, including South Korea, pledge to uh, provide aid through United Nations to Syria upon United Nations request. Yeah, so that's yeah. a good news. Yeah, yeah. and they're they're, mm-hmm. they're having to go through other, uh, I guess, ways in order to, and that's what other countries are doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't directly do it, so they're going right. through like certain organizations mm-hmm. and things like that. But uh, what we're also seeing is like diplomatic relations are improving uh, because neighboring countries that have been out as with, uh, you know, countries like Turkey and Syria, they have joint relief efforts since last week's, uh, you know, devastating earthquake. We've mentioned this before. Sometimes at times like this, you need to set aside any kind of diplomatic uh, uh I guess differences and you think about the people in the country and not the governments or anything related to the government. So let's uh, tell us more about this. Sure. Um, according to DPA and Reuters on Wednesday, Turkish Foreign Minister Mevlu Çavuşoğlu and his Armenian counterpart Arara Mirzilan held a press conference in Turkey and said both countries are willing to fully restore their bilateral relations. Indeed, the development of relations between the two countries has already begun last weekend. The border gate between two countries opened last Saturday for the first time in 35 years and this was for aid delivery. And Turkish Foreign Minister Tavush Olu also thanked Israel on Tuesday for its support after the Israeli relief team rescued 19 people from the rubble. And in response, Israel's Foreign Minister said that direct flights between Turkey and Israel will also be resumed. So it seems like the world, which has long been suffered economic and diplomatic conflicts and prolonged war, is uniting for the first time in many, many years. Patrick Pierzer chiming in on a live YouTube saying some of the destroyed buildings in Syria look like a bomb would have dropped into. And the mm. unfortunate thing about Syria is, uh, was it, uh, was it Jiang you mentioned uh, the, the civil war mm-hmm. some 10 years ago? If you look at Syria before the civil war, it was actually a very, very beautiful, beautiful country. Yeah, and there's right. a lot of very historic mm-hmm. artifacts, mm-hmm. Uh, structures that a lot of UNESCO heritage sites that uh, absolutely gorgeous. A lot of that had been destroyed mm-hmm. uh, by... Uh, 
uh, you know, rebel groups and uh, terrorist mm-hmm. groups and, uh, you know, Al-Qaeda getting into it and then, you know, destroying all those places. And it was already kind of, you know, not looking like the Syria that we've known uh, before the civil war. And mm-hmm. you're absolutely right, Patrick. If you look at the pictures of uh, pre-earthquake, post-earthquakes, very different. Same goes with Turkey. But my biggest concern at this time uh, is not just the reconstruction efforts, but right now at this time, even for those that have survived the earthquake, they are struggling uh, quite a bit. Uh, There's disease that's spreading around. Mm -hmm. They're in shortage of clean water, uh, which makes it even tougher. It makes it easier for these diseases uh, Mm -hmm. to get around, especially when cholera outbreak uh, apparently is rampant over in Syria. So uh, we do encourage all of our listeners out there, uh, find your roots to make different donations. A lot of these littlest things uh, do help out. And from what I understand, the big thing that they really need, again, tents and uh, blankets is uh, what they're requesting here. So find out uh, what are some of the supplies that you can send in to help out uh, in assisting Turkey and Syria at this time. Again, I've mentioned, uh, I think it's uh, important that uh, the international community really comes together uh, in times like this. Guys, as always, thank you very much for your reports today. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys again. Thank Thank you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.